for the latest information on all things working together. Follow Matthew Pope on Instagram at his five various accounts. And as you go, at Instagram. Author and writer Matthew Pope at Instagram. Matthew Pope 28 at Instagram. Images of the Invisible at Instagram. And finally, Land of Ancient Firsts at Instagram. You can also see updates on Facebook. Just search for Matthew Pope 28 or you can visit his website, allthingsworktogether.org. We thank you for the support and praise God for you. May you find his peace in all that you do. Hello and welcome to Land of Ancient First. I'm your host, author and writer Matthew Pope. And today I wanted to continue the narrative of translated literature uh, in the War with Remnant series. But instead of reading, I wanted to take this segment, this first segment of this uh, episode here, to cover all the scriptural references. I know uh, in the past, in the, in the prologue episode, we had uh, visited the storyline and text through the Bible and all the footnotes that were included. And I wanted to do the same today. I wanted to take uh, every bit of the scripture that's included in this story and really explore it and really uh, come to explain it and let people understand and comprehend it. Scripture is so key to the War with Remnant series. It is rooted and based uh, in Revelation, for instance, the whole title of the the novel franchise. And then especially in um, translated literature, that's Colossians 1.13. I know I mentioned that before, but the the role of Scripture in how it affects this fictional novel um, is really astounding to me, even as the writer, because as I've gone and, and let the influence of the Holy Spirit kind of um, shape and mold this story, God's Word has always permeated through in, in a variety of ways and layers. And I just wanted to take this uh, final, truly final episode here and really uncover and unpack all the scripture that's included. I'm going to work through it at a hasty speed, if I should say so. And I'm going to try my best to kind of seize on every bit of the uh, footnotes, um, references, and, and um, kind of imprints that the Bible makes on this book. And so I'd like to begin now. This is translated literature, the story. And we're going to begin in the first paragraph. So in the first paragraph, you have the uh, scene of Wilmington, for instance, and the character, main character, Benedict, is about to de- uh, he's about to depart, and this is really just describing the the city as a whole, and so you're you're having all this imagery happen, um, and then this sentence in the in pretty much the middle of the first paragraph, it says these were manifested weapon carriers designed for the enigmatic battle of God, and so for that. I found that the battle of God is really referenced in Revelation 16:4, which says, And the third angel poured out his vial upon the, the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood, um, which is a key element to the wrath that is poured out in Revelation. It's something that's akin to the storyline as a whole, um, with the weapon uh, weaponry of God and, and really the weapon, the weapons of man's uh, sin and man's design. That are coming together in this end times type of, of story um, and it moves on it says 
um, aimed for their departure shortly as heated tensions were on the horizon between this element of coastal dwellers and those of the foreign world. Theirs was the dominion of darkness. Um, that was Ephesians 6.12 because it says, for We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rules of the darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, and then a little bit after that it says these were light keepers. And light keepers is from 1 Thessalonians 5.5. 5. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Um, I just wanted to also add one thing. I meant to say this in the beginning of the episode, but if you're following along, um, if you have the text, um, I do want to make the PDF available. <laughs> I do apologize for having not done that yet. Uh, it's a work in progress to get that you know, onto the website and to have it available. But the PDF will give people a chance later on, listeners here, uh, or anybody really will give them a chance to see the scripture and see the text in front of them. But that's also an encouragement to buy the book. So if you have not had a chance to purchase the book, I would encourage you to do so. Um, and all the text in the scripture is explicitly um, in the story. It's footnote. It's footnoted throughout the book. Um, so it's right. It's right on the page. Um, as we continue, we move into page eleven, and then we go to page twelve, and we find um, that. The phrase "tradition of elders" is here. That's Second Thess—excuse me, Second Thessalonians three six, and it says, "Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us." Uh, and then right after that, talks about the good book and the good news. And so the good news is First Corinthians nine fourteen. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And so this is a um, consistent occurrence here of describing the religi- religiosity of the city of Wilmington, really. Um, and then uh, kind of explaining why religion is so important and how it's important. So here we're mentioning elements of the last things theology. So the good book, you know, the the, the book of life. And you're mentioning the good news. And the good news is, is those that have come from a faraway land to preach, you know, how blessed are the feet of those. And so you have all these elements that are working together, and it's building this scripture narrative within a story. So it's a story, a meta-narrative within a smaller narrative, really. Um, But if you go to page 13, it says, Some discuss the end of days, and some committed to these end times. And so that's 1 Peter 4, 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So there's end times theology playing into that. Um, and some made merry for their troubles. That was a connection with Noah, um, because in the last and in their last days before the flood, you know, they were marrying and making merry and, and doing pretty much everything under the sun, uh, except worshiping God or acknowledging God. And so I actually grabbed that from Fort I went Wisdom fourteen twenty eight, which says, "For either they are mad when they be merry, or prophesy lies, or live ju- unjustly, or else lightly forswear themselves." Um, so that was a really interesting connection. And then it says, others turn to prayer in that same sentence. So I got that from Acts 6-4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so you're having this, this back and forth um, imagery or images of the New Testament. And so I'm, I'm going back and forth between Old and New Testament, really. And I'm, show, and I'm using it as a collaborative buildup towards the idea of a obviously a resurrection of the dead but then a second coming of christ but then even before that you know 
the whole story is based on good versus evil, God versus Satan, and the final battle. And so all these things are playing into the final days of Jesus' ministry, the final days of the Israelites traveling, the final days of God eliminating sin on the earth, the final days of even the 12 disciples as we come to the close of the canon of Scripture. Uh, all these things are playing into that same uh, idea and ideology. And so then and further on it says, It was where it was written in writing that men and women made their trust. I got that from Psalm 71.5, For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. And then continuing it says, It was in God's word that they sought after a refuge. And so that was Psalm 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And then if you jump into the next paragraph on that same page, um, it speaks of time. And it was running short. So Revelation 12, 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And that's, of course, speaking of Satan. He has but a short time on the earth. Um, and he knows this. And so that's that's a, uh, a device that, I'm, that I use repetitively in the story because time is always running out. And there's always a tension that's rising. Uh, and, and so all the details of the story are building towards that as well. Uh, and then pretty much rounding out that paragraph in page 13, um, it says from the dewdrops on Spanish moss that the burning heat would dry by noon. Hours would eventually creep by as watches ticked the loud signaling a coming hour. And so that's John 5.25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear and they that hear shall live. And so again, the, the depiction of the dead rising, uh, the hour, that's that's a popular phrase, especially in the New Testament. The hour is coming. Christ speaks of his hour, the moment. Uh, those are very much key words to his ministry um, and to his passion and then to his, his ascension. His coming again and the ascension and coming again, uh, the, or the perusia, if you uh, prefer that word. Uh, and then in dropping into the next page on page 14, you have, but now the power... And so, but now the power comes from Luke 22, 53. Uh, when I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your hour in the power of darkness. Uh, and the tasting of death is also the next um, phrase. And that's from Matthew 16, 28. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here, which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And then finally, the closing that sentence out with... Uh, was nigh at hand and so Luke 21 31 so likewise you when you see these things come to pass know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand um, again the the imagery and the reference to a coming again so a second coming uh, and something that really the story is building up to I don't want to give too much away but this is the aim of the whole story is to mimic and parallel scripture in a way that um, it builds the a similar uh, outcome and that's the whole point and so we skip down into page 16. So this is entering the sequence where the uh, St. Francis of Assisi prayer is being prayed aloud by, by Benedict, the main character. And he's he's going through the prayer and he's speaking his own prayer as he's meditating on, on this prayer, um, on the familiar one that's attributed to St. Francis. Um, and so it's, Lord, make us instruments of your peace, which is what St. Francis prayed. And so a biblical reference to that would be Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Um, and then it says, where there is hatred, let us sow love. That's Romans 12, 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Uh, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Um, where there is injury, pardon. So wisdom 18, 2. But for that, they did not 
hurt them now of whom they had been wrong before. They thanked them and besought them pardon for that they had been enemies. Um, and then you have where there is doubt, faith. So that's Luke 17, 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And then you have where there is discord, union. And that's Ephesians 4, 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Uh, and then traveling into page 17. It says, where there is despair, hope, and that's Romans 5, 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Uh, where there is darkness, light, so Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And then where there is sadness, joy, and that's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and that's rejoice evermore. Um, so I went through that prayer and just kind of backed it up. Um, I supported it with scripture and showed how how biblical that prayer really is from St. Francis of Assisi, but then that plays into the role of Benedict's meditation, uh, his prayer, uh, and his preparation before he he leaves um, to serve, uh, because the war effort is, is drawing nigh. It's, it's, it's now. So that moment and that hour has come, um, and so now he's being called out to see, um, and so this prayer is a, is a way for him to... Uh, spiritually motivate himself as he enters into service. Um, and so pouring into page 18, you have um, permit, O Lord, that I would not so much invest in comfort, but in comforting my brethren. That's, that is uh, Benedict's prayer in response. Um, and so I got that from first Thessalonians 418, wherefore comfort one another with these words and to not be perceived, but to look on the heart and not on the outward appearance. And that's from first Samuel 16, seven, but the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And so then we go into page 19. And has thou, Lord, hast said that it is better to give than to receive? That's a familiar passage. So that's from Acts 20, 35. I have showed you all things. How that's so laboring, you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Um, and then it continues on, and that whatsoever dwelling place we enter in are, are received. So that's Jesus sending out two by two. Um, that's Matthew 10, 12 through 13a. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. Uh, and then we have, they shall not be dead in their trespasses. Uh, and that's from John 8, 21 through 24. Then said, then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. Then, then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whether I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. You are of the, this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Uh, and then, for when one is converted, he is saved from multitude of sins. And that's from James 5, 19 through 20. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. And then finally, it's let me decrease at the end of that paragraph um, on page 19. And that's from St. John the Baptist, who said, who in John 3.30 said that he must increase, but I must decrease. Um, I'm actually going to pause it right there. Uh, but that is pretty much a gist of the scripture uh, into the 20th page, uh, which is kind of misleading because you have the advertisement at the end of the book. Um, but that is up into the prayer of St. Francis. And I just wanted to 
begin this segment just going through the scripture. Um, I know I probably went through that pretty quickly, but I was trying to get every line. And again, I encourage you to have this book. Um, and when I get the PDFs uploaded, please download it and follow along because this is really a, an education on scripture. If anything else, uh, it's not about retail. It's not about sales. It's about the gospel. And this is a chance to, to learn more about God and his word. So um, we're going to run to a quick intermission and I will be back in just a few short moments. Twenty twenty has been a year of uncertainty. Promises made to ourselves and some not kept. We've watched churches shudder, our states and stores close, and our ways of life become hampered by isolation, awkwardness, and cultural fallout. From rage and hatred to sorrow and despair, God has felt distant to many. While religion always comes before politics, 2020 is also an election year. The Bible says in Romans 13 that the ruler appointed by God is also a minister and that we must obey the highest rule as subjects. Although parties and values have seemed to slide, we know our obvious choices. I am praying for the American voter today and asking for each one of you to vote your moral principles. As Catholics and Christians, we reject abortion, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, church closure and persecution, and an anti-patriotism. We prefer religious freedom and a pro-life society. As we step into the voting booth in November, we do so with confidence, knowing the Lord is giving us a clear chance to again remember His words as the disciples did. I will not leave you comfortless. Let us resolve to keep America great, because we have again resolved to acknowledge God as greater. In Jesus' name, Amen. Welcome back to Land of Ancient First, and as we were discussing in the in the previous segment, Scripture is really the soundness of the mind for the Christian believer, uh, and this is why this has been such an important uh, aspect to the story of War with the Remnant translated literature. And the reason I really want to take the time to go through it again, I acknowledge it's been pretty quick uh, stepping through this, um, but if anything, if if it's easier just just to remember the the chapter and verse. Um, I'm just going to run through the remainder of this book and really explain how scripture has aligned with the telling of this of this narrative and how God has worked through Christian fiction, even though it's reflected in, in truth. Um, some of the elements are embellished. Some of the elements are completely fabricated, but they are working towards a, a truth-filled uh, statement of faith and, and a true uh, timeline and reflection of a spiritual timeline that we are living in right now. Um, maybe not so much the last, very, very last days. We are in the last generations. Um, and I hope that I'm wrong. I hope we are in the last days because Maranatha, Christ will come that much quicker. Um, and so this is really a narrative to help people understand their last things theology uh, and to really understand how pivotal, especially in the current time that we're in, how pivotal scripture is uh, both to reading and to retaining. So I wanted to continue on. So I'm on page 21 now, um, and I'm working into uh, the storyline of Benedict uh, preparing to leave. He's glancing at his watch. Uh, he is about to depart from Wilmington. And the first reference we have for here, for this one, for this paragraph, it says he was born in the midst of rumors of war. That's from Matthew 24, 6. And you shall hear, a, you shall hear of wars and rumors of war. 
Uh, see that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And that's Christ telling his disciples that. Um, and it says he had recalled the stories of valiant fighters who had waited for vengeance. And so Romans 12, 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith, saith the Lord. And so Christ, um, really God in this, in this sequence written by St. Paul, God is saying, I'm the one that carries out the war. I'm the one that carries out uh, the wrath. And that's a very clear picture of Revelation as well. Um, it's something that lines up completely um, similarly to this story at hand. Uh, and so at the end of that sentence, it says, For so long that they grew weary, tired, and worn out. He's speaking of past warriors that have been waiting for a final uh, battle. And that's from Hebrews 11:13. So these all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Going into page 22, it says they had trained, had undergone special learning, had involved themselves to much teaching and knowledge, but it did not, it did not secure for them salvation. That's from 2 Timothy 3, 7, uh, which says ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, and then it continues on. Uh, needless to say, their ranks depleted and were replenished for some of their breed, some timid. And that's from 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Um, some afraid. So I took afraid and I went to Matthew 14, 27, but straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid. And then some compromising. And so that's from revelation 17, 17 for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast, unto the words, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Um, and so it's showing you really in revelation in this story that the power of darkness will also have its moment. Um, the power of Satan and the power of sin will have its moments and will come with its armies to face uh, those of the armies of God, uh, those of the church, the seat of Mary, the remnant all together. And that is really the whole uh, storyline, the whole complex storyline behind all of this um, following scriptures lead. And so going into page 23. It says, God's tears watered their cemetery plots, for faithful men had met an end. Psalm, 110, Psalm 116, 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Uh, and then moving into uh, the next paragraph, it says, He dared to believe that he could step into their shoes to continue in the apostles' doctrine and the breaking of bread and the fellowship. And that's from Acts 2.42. Uh, and they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine and Fellowship and in the Breaking of Bread and Prayers. It's also a point of reference for my book, uh, In the Apostles' Doctrine, and my radio show, uh, which is also coming soon, Season 3. Um, I often like to put little references to my previous books and some of my storylines in ways that is, is not taking away from the story overall, but is also serving as a reminder. Um, because all my works, I try to connect them, because theologically they are all connected, uh, and even historically at some points. Um, so that's usually something I like to employ into my work. And then it says on the last one here for page 23, it says he considered himself a wretch who, ne who necessitated a loving savior, but a sinner saved by grace indeed. And that's from Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So then we go through page 24 and dive down into page 25. Um, and we have here, and the will of God on his life permeated his new ideologies. That's from the end of the first paragraph on that page. And that's from James 4.15. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. 
And then jumping into the second paragraph on page 25, it says, To be truly fit for the kingdom of God. That's from Luke 9.62. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Um, and then we continue on to page 26. And then we go down to page 27. Um, and this is really, now he's at the docks, he's at the harbor. Um, and they are about to leave. They're about to sail down the Cape Fear River towards the open ocean. And so you have some verses here. The voyages were to be had, and some were praying shoreside. That's from Acts 21.5. And when he had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way. And they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. And then we continue on to, as their loved ones were climbing aboard, elders of the church were signing the cross while those men were crossing themselves, a reference to Catholicism, which is a theme in this book. Uh, since I'm a Catholic author, and then obviously Benedict is a Catholic name from the same, you know, the, of the same name, St. Benedict, Benedict of Mercia. Um, so some Catholic elements and themes running through there. And that's from Hebrews 11 too, for by it the elders obtained a good report. And then, and women's folk were crying tears knowing their estate. So that's from Ecclesiasticus 29, 29, 18. Surety ship hath undone many of a good estate and shaken them as a wave of the sea. Mighty men hath it driven from their houses so that they wandered among strange nations. Um, so then we dip down into page 28. And, it, and the dialogue here is picking up. So you're going to have less references on some of the pages because you have dialogue kind of interplaying into the story. So now Benedict and some of his friends are speaking to each other. They're pretty much... Uh, bidding each other farewell um, as Benedict goes off to the war. Um, and so here, you're looking down into page uh, 28 on the second paragraph, and it says, But remember, God is with you always. So that's from Matthew 28, 20, B, and lo, I'm with you always, even in the end of the world. Again, that's a play into two of my ministries, and lo, I'm with you always, and then even unto the end of the world. That's also the Great Commission, so that's a very, that's a keynote scripture verse uh, for the ministries and then for this book. And then a little ways down, you have the other one, which says, um, I'm thankful for your covering of me. I must say I'm, I am mysteriously nervous as to what to expect, but I'm confident in this very thing. That's Benedict responding uh, to his friend's dialogue. And that's from Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And so then we go to page 29, and then we dip into page 30. And at this point, he's selling. Um, he's relying on Mother Mary, Our Lady Star of the Sea. And it says, He implored her maternal help, quivering on the lips that he was unsure still, but had been found trustworthy for God. And that's from Wisdom 6.16, For she goeth about seeking such as are worthy of her, showeth herself favorably unto them in the ways, and meeteth them in every thought. Um, and then he uh, continues on, What if... Um, I'm sorry, he, he revisits the parable of great faith before that, where Jesus exclaimed he had found no such faith in all of Israel. And that's Matthew 8, 5 through 10. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. That's a very Catholic uh, verse that we use in mass. But speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And then Benedict is continuously pondering. 
So in the next paragraph, he says, what if Christ noticed his mustard seed of simple childlike fidelity? And that's from Matthew 13, 31 to 32. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge of the branches thereof. And then finally, it says, But once noting his spiritual mother, that is a um, part of, or pretty much a phrase there in the beginning of that sentence, and that's from Ecclesiasticus 24, 18. I am the mother of fair love and fear and knowledge and all holy hope, and therefore being eternal, am given to all my children which are named of him. Um, and so I'm beginning to take a short intermission here, um, but I thank you for listening along. And we are almost finished. We have just a few more pages to go and to note some more scripture. And so I hope you'll join me in the next segment, and we'll be right back after a few short messages. Ministry matters to the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our invitation that seals the fate of a soul turning to Christ. We entrust our hospitality to God, and He commits. Author and writer Matthew Pope has devoted nearly seven years of work to the ministerial life. From radio shows to books to speaking engagements to authentic Catholic living, His Word has only beheld the Word of God. With visions and statements, these ministries are made mention of and bear record an annual reflection of the state of those organizations founded by God, led by Matthew Pope. With scripture aplenty and the outlook of a worldwide operation, this publication addresses every facet of what is required of us by the Lord. Steeped in the religion of old, percolating in the blessings of God, rooted in the cover art of Belmont Abbey, firmly about Jesus, dedicated to the virtues of piety, and divinely driven by the Holy Ghost, John 8.14 is our mouthpiece. Bear record. Available for purchase on Amazon Kindle. Welcome back to Land of Ancient First for this third and final segment of the show. We just wanted to finish up this uh, translated literature novel, the scripture included and involved. And we have about eight pages left to go, and I wanted to take the remainder of this time to do that and then to close out this episode. So as we were discussing before, we were exiting page 30 and now we're on page 31 with one verse on this page. Um, and that is tucked into the second paragraph where it says the famous Dram Tree Park bidded them Godspeed. And that is a direct quote or really a direct phrase from second John 1:10, which says, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, Receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. So then we come down into 32 and page 33, where now they're selling down the Cape Fear River past Sunny Point, um, which is a weapons terminal and um, just outside of Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, really directly across the river from Fort Fisher, North Carolina, and Curry Beach. Um, and it says, Here in the mouth of the mighty Cape, which is the mighty Cape Fear River, flushed into a barrage of salt water. It being fresh, a cistern of both, and that is from James 3, 11 through 12. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. And then we come down to page 34, um, and this is where it's discussing the armada of ships um, that are um, sailing in formation. 
and that's the Hampstead first. The Hampstead charged and puffed by first. Deuteronomy 16.4, And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coast seven days. Neither shall there anything of the flesh which thou sacrificest the first day at even remain all night until the morning. And then followed by the Waccamaw as it ta- ta- as it tailed behind very close. Excuse me. These were gunships. Third, uh, it takes it takes on the uh, Acts twenty seven nineteen uh, verse, which is in the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. So I'm using the numerology um, to bring in these scripture verses. On um, this fourth and fifthly is the last two references here. So fourthly is a reference from Judges 19.5, and it came to pass on the fourth day when they rose early in the morning that he rose up to depart. And a and the damsel's father said unto his son-in-law, Comfort thine heart with a morsel of bread, and afterward go your way. So it's speaking of someone departing, leaving, which is playing into the um, details of Benedict's departure himself. And then fifthly, which is from Judges 19.8, and he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. And the damsel's father said, Comfort thy heart, I pray thee. And they tarried until afternoon, and they did eat both of them. So it's a similar verse, um, tying in that same message. And it's really playing, again, it's it's tying into ultimately Benedict's uh, leaving of the coast uh, for the for the um, seafaring battle that is, that is to take place and the overall war that is to follow. Uh, and then jumping into page 35, the Newton, which is also another word for Wilmington, um, historically speaking, that was another one of its titles, who regards at mid-range 6th. So then we come back to 6th. It's a little confusing hearing this, but in other words, um, um, every number, 1st, uh, 2nd, you know, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, are all um, pretty much paralleled with Scripture. So 6th is Genesis 1.31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good in the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So I'm, I'm making that a um, correlation, if you will. And then 7th, which is from Hebrews 4.4. 4. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did not rest the seventh. And God did rest the seventh from all his, the seventh day from all his work. So speaking of God's rest on that one, uh, on that verse. And then... Finally, moving into page 36, which half the sentence is in page 35, uh, the weapons terminal indicated that all berths would be grounded, and these demanded the full security measures. Sun and shield prevented any onlooker from getting too far from the respective barrier. Sun and shield. And I got that reference um, from Psalm 84:11. So for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Then we move into page 37, where there's one verse... And it's the fiery darts of the wicked. These collective entities comprised a specialized fleet that could exterminate the fiery darts of the wicked, which is from Ephesians 6.16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And then moving into page 38, we go into the first paragraph, uh, a few lines in, and it says, for they were of one body, but members in particular. That's from 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now ye, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Uh, and then each was in need of another. And no such appendage could be forgotten over each other's capabilities, which is a Pauline uh, theological statement here from 1 Corinthians 12, 15. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the healing? 
hearing, sorry, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And then finally, in the, in the third paragraph on page 38, um, we have vain talking and babbling. So vain talking and babbling would oftentimes be preferred. Vain talking is from Ephesians 5, 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience and babbling. 2 Timothy 2.16 but, sh- but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And then the final page, page 39, it says, But in the, ex- in the excess of repetitive notions, so repetitive, Matthew 6.7, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall... Uh, they shall be heard for their much speaking. And then truth would prevail. So that's from 2 Corinthians 13, 8. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for their truth. Um, and many would taste death. And that's from Matthew 16, 28. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And that wraps up and concludes all the scripture for Warmoth Remnant translated literature. I hope that I correctly and adequately read all those verses. And I pray that from the story, you were able to receive the Word of God, um, the Sword of the Spirit, which is really the, the Bible, the Holy Bible, the Holy Scriptures. And I pray that that built up to more godliness. And I pray that throughout this series, really, throughout these last few episodes, that um, you, the listeners, and those that I've been able to promote these episodes to um, have received uh, the sense of understanding that this is more than just a book. This is more than just a fiction novel. This is more than just action and and, you know, and thematic elements. This is the gospel. Um, this is what we understand as Christians that is coming, um, and we must be prepared. And if this is a way to get people prepared for the scriptures and for the wrath of God and for the final judgment, then this is the best avenue. Um, I believe in preaching. I believe in, in writing in, in theology, and I believe in uh, delivering the message of sermons and all those things. But I also believe in creativity. And this is an adventure novel. This is something that reflects history in North Carolina. And for me, that's very personal. Uh, I have a huge passion for North Carolina. Obviously, this whole podcast is dedicated to the state of North Carolina and to Christ. And so this book really brings those two things hand in hand. Um, so I pray that I did a, a you know an acceptable job here just communicating, if anything, to you uh, that God is real and that his word is true and it stands forever um, and that it can be relied on. Uh, even when the world seems to be collapsing, and I'm sure that we've felt that way in the past few months. But even in those times, God can be trusted, and that His Word is working all things together. Romans 8, 28, the keynote verse for my ministry, um, something that I always come back to. All things are working together. So I pray that for you today. I pray again that this uh, episode and this message um, deliver to you the necessity and, and the essential nature of, of God's Word and mercy. And I pray that we can again meet uh, for the next episode and discuss more of God's greatness and his glory. And until then, may God bless you. Once again, we thank you for your support of Land of Ancient First. And we thank you for listening to this program, the official podcast of North Carolina. We pray that The message you heard today was one of Christian spirit and that the sword of God, the spirit of the Lord, really moved in your heart to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
Our prayer is that this podcast and show will be able to bless the state of North Carolina and the church with the mighty favor of the Lord. For more information on Matthew Pope's ministry, you can visit his Facebook page, Matthew Pope 28, or you can visit his website, allthingsworktogether.org. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Land of Ancient First. And until next time, may God greatly bless you.